Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. On today's episode, we're sitting down with two guests who are setting the standard for what it means to build a loyal, trusted community among dispensary customers in a fully compliant manner. Nick and Wes Pascal are the co-founders of Alpine IQ, a customer data, marketing, and analytics cloud designed specifically for the cannabis industry. Nick is an entrepreneur and technologist with year-after-year success, achieving revenue, profit, and business growth objectives within startup, turnaround, and rapid change conditions. He is the CEO and co-founder of Alpine IQ. West is a sales and business development professional with intimate knowledge of the cannabis retail market. He serves as the chief revenue officer at Alpine IQ. And before starting Alpine, West drove investment and acquisition strategy for Tilray in Canadian cannabis retail. And so without further ado, let's jump right on into it. Nick and Wes, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Happy yeah. to be here. Thank you guys for being here. So I say we just start at the very beginning. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a background as to how each of you got involved in the cannabis industry uh, to begin with, and then sort of what that journey looked like to bring you to where you guys are today with Alpine? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of jump in there. Wes talking here. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I guess in, in a past past life, I was working in petrochemical sales. Uh, I, you know, came out of school. I knew sales was kind of the, the career choice that I wanted to go on initially, but I was not selling anything that I was particularly proud of or, you know, thinking that I was making a positive impact on the world. Um, and I personally kind of fell in love with the plant um, in my early, early 20s. And, and so the, the love was there, but the, the idea of being in the industry at that time was virtually non-existent. So this is like kind of right on the heels of the big IPOs uh, from Canopy, Tilray, uh, and Aurora. Uh, and I was working that job. All of a sudden, you have a massive influx of capital, probably the biggest first initial hiring spree since you know, the opening of Washington and Oregon. Um, so for me, I saw that this opportunity, I had a door open uh, and being already passionate about the plant, I felt like this was just a chance that I, I couldn't miss. Um, and it was, it was through that first job, you know, looking at the financial side of, of the uh, cannabis retail world that we discovered, or I discovered that there was a really big data management issue. Um, and it was literally from playing Xbox with Nick on the weekends that kind of the, the idea of Alpine IQ was born. And, and I'll let Nick kind of jump in there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so we, we would uh, we would play video games just to keep keep up with each other because we lived in separate states and uh, don't get to see each other very often. So we would just uh, play video games and come up with cool ideas. And I would ask questions about, you know, how data was handled in this new space. And specifically now that you had these MSO and cross-provincial uh, players in the space and they were going around um, attempting or, or buying up rights to new retail chains. Um, and what happens there is, is obviously each of those places uses a different technology stack. And those technology providers are very new in a, a very new industry. And for the most part, we're kind of, um, you know, most of them were repurposed from blue chip industries to work for cannabis and most of those were not working in blue chip and it was just a good opportunity so when we saw you know the level of technology in the space and what it could be 
we really wanted to just kind of jump in and build the gold standard there. And that started with just like, how do we make these things work for folks like Tilray? Um, how do you uh, level up your data across all these org structures, all these tech stacks, um, dedupe things, uh, uh, stick to a, a conformed schema for products and SKUs and things like that that would then eventually power downstream tools. Um, I mean, so. I should point out, you know, the idea of working together and starting this thing together was not something that came, uh, was not, it wasn't even an idea when I was still at Tilray. Um, you know, Nick right. built this for their plans to own retail. I was the guy going out making relationships with all the retailers asking to be in their data rooms so that I could, you know, craft a, a, an initial strategy for approaching the M&A side of that business. Um, and it wasn't until those plans blew up in absolutely spectacular fashion. And, you know, I think around that time, Tilray laid off a massive percentage of its workforce, including my entire team. And it was through that experience that Nick had built this kind of V1, hoping to have a beta client in, you know, Tilray eventually owning e retail and, and um, you know, me sitting there saying, well, now I have nothing to do. I have no job. I've moved all the way across the continent uh, or sorry, the country to, to be able to jump into this space. And I did not want to uh, leave. I, I wanted to. You didn't uh, want to go sell plastic again on train no, cars? No, yeah. I did not at all. Uh, you know, yeah, I, so I, really I kind of, I, I basically just called up West and I was like, great, you have a book of business. It's February of 2020. We've been in what I would call beta. We started coding in July of 19. So, you know, almost a year of, of coding um, and kind of getting that product market fit. But it was really nice because we had Tilray to bump that off of. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really have to go do discovery outside of that initially. Um, and then once February hit, you know, I called Wes and I'm like, cool, you're going to be off the team on Friday and on Monday, you're going to be on my team and we're going to go at it together. So I we threw some money in a bank account and said, hey, we got three months of money just to prove the concept out let's get a couple sales or at least some interest right just let's see if we're on the right track because we've never we never went to one store operators at that point and we um you know it's just tilray so uh we packed our bags i flew up to seattle we drove over to canada across the border we had four meetings i think um over that two-day period um and i think West three of them are actually signed. They were not our first customers, but they did sign a couple months later. Yeah. Um, so that that was kind of the journey. And then like two weeks after we went to Canada, that's when kind of the whole COVID thing hit. And so, you know, we didn't have to get rent. There was a couple of things that really helped us out financially, right? So building the business, we, we still are completely virtual. We don't have an office. We have like a couple of people that have WeWork passes, but I think it's like 500 bucks a month. So we're not spending very much on rent still. Um, and, 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 you know, so that kind of helped. And then obviously the regulations changed because of COVID to allow for a lot more e-com, a lot more digital experiences. And then that kind of played into our data foundation where it was like, okay, we have this data management thing. How do we make this data that's clean, super actionable? And so uh, we ended up selling our first store in Saskatchewan, single store, great, great, great retail team, really fun. Um, it's called the Pot Shack. And then our second retailer, I think, was uh, a little bit larger. How big was Burb at that time? 
Verb was only two stores, but they're arguably one of the larger brand footprints from, uh, yeah. you know, just being kind of really early to market in that sense. Today, they're they're scaled quite a bit. Um, yeah. And then third client was uh, Canna Cabana and High Tide, which was, I think, a yeah. really big um, kind of uh, massive proving uh, beta client that we had. Um, yeah. You know, today, I think they're around 130 plus stores. I have to dive in and look. It's been a while, but. Um, yeah, pretty massive. I think at the time they were sub 30. So grew grew them exponentially and then just started all in Canada. So boots on the ground. We were really the first people focused on that market that was not already like kind of privately attached, um, you know, like a high fire or something like that. Uh, and really focused on Canada for. I don't think we were even in the U.S. until we went into Colorado and uh, got Native Roots was our first client. Oh, no, our first client was Velvet in California, and then we got Native Roots. But, um, yeah, really came in October of that year. And we still only had four people on staff, I believe. So up until the end of 2021, we had five or maybe six people. I think it was five people on staff. And so today we're at uh, 53 End of 2020, so, right? Is what you meant? End of 2020. End of 2021. Yes, end of 2020. Like, yeah, yeah, end of 2021. It was a little bit more. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm so appreciative that I still get to be in this space. I think it's going to continue to grow. And I, I really believe that this plan has a, an incredible power to connect people. And ultimately, we see ourselves as just an extension of that. Um, you know, providing the tools that retailers need to connect with their customers. Uh, and as cheesy as that sounds, it, it really, people are so hungry for information about how, how do I, how do I reapproach this plant if I haven't touched it in 30 to 50 years? Um, you know, and, and that question is scary for a lot of people to ask in stores. Um, but, you know, it might be a lot easier for them if the right information is guided to the right person for them to be able to understand, okay, I need to specifically ask for low potency products. I need to specifically find things that if I'm looking for sleep aids that have high CBN, maybe combinations with natural sleep aids like melatonin. I mean, there's, there's so much nuance to the different cannabinoids that this plant offers and, and the depth of, of SKU variety and category variety that you can find under one roof in a small box retail environment. It, it can be daunting for a new consumer to approach and, and, you know, I think that if retailers can do a lot better job of connecting with their customers, I think a lot more people are going to connect over this plan. And that's one of the things that I love most about it. That's awesome. Now, um, Wes, you mentioned that you, you had a sales career prior to jumping into cannabis. Can you kind of shed some light on to any differences that maybe you experienced in relationship building, you know, crafting strategic partners and things like that? in uh you said it was in the petroleum based product industry yeah yeah i was doing raw materials in the the plastics space um so how did that differentiate from from (laughs) cannabis i know they're two totally different but two totally totally different spaces you know i think uh the plastics industry is an old boys industry in the sense of uh you know everything is on the road meeting in person uh you know the the digital zoom call environment maybe now it exists there but when i was working there did not exist and it's a commodity based industry so 
the only difference uh, for me is it working in distribution was, uh, you know, the suppliers that I had, which very often made almost identical products to the suppliers that other people had. So it was just entirely relationship based selling in my mind. Um, you know, this industry is it's very different. I, I feel like I'm I'm actually the product that we're making and, and producing is making an impact on the way that people actually enjoy this this experience with the plan and. And so I feel like what we're selling now is, is making a difference. And the experience that I've gotten really is, is the fact that we're innovating. Um, you know, in my last role, I was a, a salesperson, I would go out, sell all the time. But my job wasn't like if somebody complained to me about something like I can't go make a new product to better fit their needs. Uh, I had to you know, maybe communicate opportunities they were massive up the line, but I'm, I wasn't in charge of innovation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so now what I think has made us so successful at Alpine has been the fact that we have a customer driven product. Uh, it's the fact that my salespeople can be on the call and someone can say, hey, can you do this? And if it's an idea that no one's ever heard or, or account managers for that, for that fact, uh, we will build it. We, we are builders. Um, and so you know, selling something that I had no control over and I'm just pushing other people's product down the line completely and feeling like I'm doing an awful thing for the planet at the same time. I was like, I got to get out of this. Yeah. Uh, and, and so for me personally, now I feel like I'm not only selling something that is going to really help people, not just the people that we're selling it to, but they're in customers. Uh, but I feel like we have an opportunity to keep creating incredible tools and products. And, and I think at a certain point, we will have created loyalty tools that blue chip will look at and say, wow, people in cannabis are doing some really unique marketing things on, on the loyalty and, and customer retention strategy front. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think we will become, you know, leaders in that sense where because cannabis has been bottled up for so long, every professional in this industry is just ready to come out and make an impact and do something really new and, and unique. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in a, in a market that's in an infancy stage. And if you're efficient and you have a good foundational structure, so we were able to be in beta without any outside stress for, you know, almost a year there. Um, and to have the data management, clean data piece as the foundation just ended up spawning the ability to like build really quickly um, other tools that make it actionable. Um, and that was, that was definitely key to our success, um, you know, engineering wise. And then to West point, like you can make amazing consumer experiences in this space because there's not as many blockades. Um, there's less point of sales to implement. There's less e-com providers to, um, sync up with. So you can make really great partnerships and good consumer experiences. And the other thing too, is, you know, uh, not so much in Canada, but in the U S you know, scanning an ID is very, very common. It's not like when you walk into a liquor store, they just kind of glance at it, you scan it. It tells us you're there in the waiting room. Uh, it then spawns a bunch of triggers from our end that say, hey, uh, how can the bud tender when this person walks through the waiting room and how can the in-store experience like the screens, um, the advertisements in store change to match this consumer? So we're not only doing that digitally, but we can use physical triggers in cannabis uh, like no one else can in other industries to, to do some really cool things for upsells, for recommendations, for training and education to the consumer, uh, really cool stuff.
Yeah, I mean, that to me sounds like something I've never even heard of before. So I think you guys are definitely doing some pretty cool things on the, the innovation side. And I think the industry itself also just kind of like brings that out of a lot of people that tend to gravitate towards it, kind of like yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and next step for us is really how do we do this for the other side of the market and create a place where brands and retail partners can kind of achieve these uh, shared objectives. Uh, it's just really inefficient right now to communicate promotions, um, uh, partner co-marketing, uh, you know, even to get performance analytics. Cause you can imagine if, if you are partners with a retailer, that's an MSO, they might have, you know, five different mandated point of sales that all send back different SKU information. And, you know, somebody might've fat fingered a, a brand name and we have to dedupe that and make sure it's matching so that if the brand wants a report on just how good am I performing at these four stores of yours, you don't have to download a hundred Excel spreadsheets and do pivot tables. You could just click a button and it'll send it over automatically. Right. So there's, there's a bunch of opportunity there. Um, and, you know, also looking at, uh, you know, web three and opportunities that we can take cannabis into that space as well. So. Yeah. I'm glad I'm happy you brought up web three. Cause uh, we were talking about this before the show actually, um, Nick, I think you'd probably be, be a good one to talk about this with, but in terms of efficiencies, like you were talking about before, have you thought about, or kind of tried to look into how blockchain and potentially cryptocurrencies could come into the cannabis industry in a yeah. productive and efficient way to help either businesses scale or make things a little bit more streamlined and maybe even improve the customer experience. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's a couple places that are um, top of mind for me. I'm sure there's a million opportunities, right? But for us, we look at like kind of what do we have today? Um, what can we kind of like get into beta and, and see adoption and see if it's, you know, um, causing conflict or if it's actually making the process more efficient and then using the protocols in place to do so. Um, so right now we are fully centralized. Um you know, the plan is in the future. Uh, I'll give you one example. So that brand platform I was talking about, we have coming out uh, here this next month. Um, and one of the problems we saw was how does a brand make a loyal following when they can't really use Instagram that much, right? They get banned all the time. You can do email lists. You can do sign-up forms on your website. You can throw events to uh, get adoption and you can do in-store promos, um, pop-up campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the most common. And, you know, those aren't even very trackable. So first thing for us was how do we make it trackable to see the real ROI uplift of investing into a retail uh, pop-up? Um, but the next phase is how do you build that loyal, loyal following without making the retailer an Amazon third-party reseller, reseller. So like when you talk about like DTC direct to consumer for the brand, most of those conversations in the tech landscape today in cannabis are, are scary to have because you don't want to, you don't want to drive people around the retailer. And, um, you know, especially when those people are the ones pushing your product or doing pop-up campaigns in store for them. So uh, we came up with a pretty sweet little concept. So um, basically um, let's say your cookies, um, and this is hypothetical, but let's say you, your cookies, you sell into native roots in Colorado, 
um, they sell to consumers. Mm -hmm. You can actually go as a consumer, buy cookies, and then there's a collectible QR code on the back. Um, you can scan that. It will go to a landing page with a single use collectible for that product. And you will get points for the collectible one time based on how rare that uh, strain is, um, the velocity of sales that it has. Um, and then we will put that into your consumer um, collection in your native apps and web apps that we provide our retailers and the brand can have their own apps. Um, so now that you have the ability to collect and generate points without a point of sale, because normally it's like, if you spend this much, you get this many points. But since a brand doesn't have a point of sale, how do you make points? So we're doing it through collectibles, which eventually I want to put um, on the blockchain, uh, make them NFT based essentially, and then have a marketplace to, to do so. But we need to see like adoption there. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is storage. So identity. Um, you can make processes faster with checkouts and things if you can do identity without um, card scans. And, you know, there's things in e-com like in Alberta that you can get um, get through a lot quicker than the current methodologies. Um, but once you have collectibles, it's like, how do you make that liquid for somebody? Um, so basically, we, we partnered with uh, Birchmount gift cards. And in the app with one click, you can basically say, I want to convert my cookies points that I earned from collecting these awesome products um, of theirs. And I want to convert them to a cookies branded gift card that is digital. So they get an Apple and Android wallet pass immediately from the app and they can walk back into native roots and buy cookies products with it as if it was cash. So, but they cannot do that DTC and go around the retailer. So it creates this viral loop where you're sending people back and forth between retailer and brand partner and both tides rise. That's amazing. Have you, and have you guys rolled this out yet? Or is this just like an example of something that you've been thinking of? We, we this is fully built. We've spent about eight months building all of this and that's just one small portion of it. Um, and it, it is in private beta right now. It is fully launched. And then uh, we'll do public uh, at Hall of Flowers in Palm Springs. That's the plan. So here in about 15 days. That's really freaking cool. Congratulations. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a <laughs> game changer. No, super exciting. I mean, just a, another. So that, that's our plans, right? Uh, when, to incorporate blockchain. And we'll say there already has been examples of, of blockchain being used and maybe a band-aid functionality uh, mm -hmm. because just because it, you know, we're legal in 37 states in some capacity, uh, um, you know, on top of that, you still have federal Ill illegality kind of bringing the whole industry down. Um, <clears throat> taxation on uh, companies like TrueLeave and, and CureLeaf are, is huge because of the fact that they can't make the same expenses uh, that you know, non-federally illegal businesses can. Uh, but one part of that obviously is credit card usage. Um, so you know, people trying to use credit cards today often come away disappointed. Cashless ATMs have become a band-aid solution for being able to use debit cards. Uh, but one way that people have kind of gotten around the credit card issue is that there are companies that will allow you to use a credit card and it purchases and sells crypto simultaneously. Um, uh, converting it back into cash for the retailer. So the crypto basically becomes the, the ATM uh, allowing credit card transactions. That separation layer that you need. <laughs> That's not something that we do. It is something that exists in certain places. And I, I don't necessarily know how the efficacy of it has been, but it's just to say that I think that, um, you know, that 
the two industries, crypto and, and cannabis, both uh, ride under the radar of um, you know, regulatory force at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of, a lot of commonality there that I think uh, one of the things that we always talk about is this, this whole industry exists because of call it creative non-compliance and creative compliance uh, today. So, um, you know, we're, we're always trying to, to push the envelope on, on how to make a really out of this world customer experience um, while also maintaining that, that regulatory uh, above board necessity that, that comes with being in a highly regulated industry. Um, so maybe Elon Musk can help us out with his Twitter buy that's going on. Right <laughs> yeah. What a yeah, crazy that news is crazy. Yeah. yeah. You guys could help him like speed up that transaction from five days to five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe my profile picture can be that like really rare Snoop Dogg strain that I purchased. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Uh, so yeah. Awesome. So that's, that's awesome. Um, I always like to wrap up the show by asking guests if they have any golden nuggets to share that kind of help them get from point A to point B uh, in the industry. You guys have obviously accomplished a lot and have been able to scale and grow and expand rapidly. Um, Nick and West, whoever wants to kick it off first, but I'd love, you know, any kind of golden nugget of wisdom or advice for, for the cannabis entrepreneurs uh, tuning in today. Man, cold call. I say that every time because I, I mean, I, I was born an engineer and, you know, never talked to anybody type of thing. But when we got into this, like if you have limited capital, I mean, even if you have a ton of capital, like you have a very small user base. So if you're thinking of just retail, eight, 9,000 stores ish uh, right now open, you're looking at less than 200 to 400 point of contacts that you're building relationships with. So spending a ton of money on marketing and doing ads and like doing these like things, it's not, it's not conducive to the end goal, which is just like finding those 400 people and making great relationships and then proving out your product with them. That's kind of all we focused on. We didn't, we haven't really spent much on marketing at all. This hall of flowers thing, I'll be our first booth ever that we've done first real like event thing that we've done. Um, everything else was 100, 200 phone calls a person a day since, since day one. And uh, then building those relationships. And then, like we said earlier, just being extremely efficient um, and focusing on those pipelines with your team. Because if you can't move based on regulations really quickly, like you'll just slowly die out because you can't keep up with what these operators actually need day to day. Wes, you got anything? <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's a that's a pretty solid one um and then you know it's, as cheesy as this sounds i really think just like uh doing things for the right reasons listening to the client having having the end customer be the goal um one of the things i always kind of say on calls is we built this for stoners by stoners to make the stoner experience better and and a lot of people don't like that term uh but it's my way of just embracing that it's okay to be a consumer of this um uh, and for me, what that means is that if it's not something that I would want being done with my personal information, we're not going to do it. Uh, and, you know, it also means that at, at the end of the day, like we can't be spiny to other businesses in the space. We, we really just want to create something that people remember as being impactful. Um, and, and so I, I feel like because we haven't tried to cut corners on, on, you know, taking deals with exclusive vendors and, and things like that. It's, 
it's made us so much better. We've gotten to meet so many other players in the space and we're still so early. I mean, yeah, don't choose size sides this early, right? Even yeah. with like investors and raising capital and stuff, like you need to be really careful. It's just everybody has their hand in every bucket and, and, you know, just drive out of integrity and that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds like you guys are definitely playing the long game and just doing what's right. And it's all kind of coming together nicely. It's, I mean, there's a ton of hard work that goes in there, but, um, I just, I love the long-term vision and the, the kind of work ethic that you guys put into this. Um, so again, thank you guys both for taking time out of your days just to join the show, talk a little bit about Alpine IQ, the industry, crypto, blockchain, all that good stuff. Wow. For folks who want to connect with you guys after the show, what's the best way for them to do that? Website. Uh, was that what you going to say, Nick? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was waiting on you. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I'd probably say through the website and, and especially if you're, you know, if you're a company that wants to get into the space, we love supporting new entrepreneurs in the space. I mean, being that, that nexus between all these platforms, it, allow us, it, it would allow us to give you great advice on where to start with your idea, idea specifically. Um, so for all the entrepreneurs out there that are kind of like, how do I get into the space, but tiptoe in and find the right partners, we would love to help you out. And, and we also have a complete open API base. So we're very friendly to helping you expand without having, the, having to go door to door asking for APIs between partners. So yeah, so website is www.alpineiq.com. Um, and then we're also both pretty active on LinkedIn. So, uh, you know, always looking for new people to connect with there as well yeah perfect awesome thank you guys for an amazing show that'll do it for this week's episode of the major journey podcast we will catch you all next time thanks for listening to today's show to check out more great cannabis podcasts go to podconnects.com here's a preview of one of our other shows Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects Network. Network.